You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. We are working our way through, through the Bible, as you know, calling this series Route 66 because there are 66 books in the Bible. And we are at milepost 60. First Peter chapter 1 and verses 22 and 23. Sunday school teacher asked, asked the kids as she's about to let them go and rejoin the service. She said, can any of you tell me why it's important to be quiet when you're in church? Little Miss Annie raised her hand and said, yeah, because people are sleeping. <laughs> Don't be sleeping on me, okay? I'll try to keep you awake. I feel like if you go to sleep, it's my fault. Or somebody's fault. Probably mine. I, uh, I heard about another little boy who was sick and had to stay home from church on Palm Sunday. And the family went on to church and they came back in and they'd left him with the sitter. They came in with all the palm leaves, you know. The little boy said, what is this? He said, it's, it's palm leaves. When, when Jesus came in, we all put our palm leaves down, in, down on the road in front of him. Kids said, just my luck, the one day I don't go to church and he shows up. <laughs> I want you to know Jesus is here. He's here. He's here with us today. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. That's on fire. Fervently is the word zelotes or zelos. And it means burning. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. Father, I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation upon the people of God today. I thank you for clarity of speech for me that I can say what I need to say and open hearts that they can hear what they need to hear. I ask for this in Jesus' name. Make us better citizens of the kingdom. Better citizens of your kingdom and stronger sons and daughters in the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen. He says here, notice this, this word here, unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto, for this purpose, the unfeigned, unpretended, sincere love of the brethren. So love is the de desired outcome of a purified soul. Love is the desired outcome of a purified soul. If you're having love, love problems, Maybe there's something wrong with your soul. Not your spirit, but your soul. What you're thinking, how you're feeling, your emotions, the choices you make. 
That's all solical. That's all part of your soul. Your mind, your will, your emotions. He said they purify their soul. So the second thing you, you have to understand is you are in charge of your soul's purification. You could not, you could not do anything about your spirit. You had to have God birth you in the spirit through the word of God. That had to be a supernatural change that came in by the Holy Ghost. But you are in charge of what, you, what your soul does and how your soul gets cleaned up or not. Whether it gets cleaned up or not. You are in charge of that. That's why you keep coming to church. Because you go out there in that world, you know. And have, you notice that on the job most of the time they're not talking about Jesus. Anybody here notice that? They're not talking about loving God. They're not talking about being, being good and decent. Have you noticed that the people on your job? Most of them aren't talking about that. Most of them are talking about ugly things. And these things, we, have, we interact in this world. We're not of the world, but we still interact in this world. These things can defile us, splash mud upon us. That's why we keep purifying our souls. We keep coming to church, keep hearing the Word of God, keep reading the Bible, keep praying. Keep doing the things that keep your soul pure. I'm not talking about staying saved. I'm talking about staying clean in the mind. I've known lots of Christians who've got dirty minds. Don't shout me down just because I'm preaching good. You know, I've known lots of people that were going to heaven but living like the devil because they got their souls, their souls dirty. They didn't purify their minds. You can purify your own mind. You are in charge of how pure your mind is, your soul is. Look at verse 23 now. It says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The third thing I want you to see in this, this mile post is, your purification is impossible until you have been born again of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. And it says about it, it lives and abides. It means it just stays forever. Stop trying to stay saved and believe you are saved once and for all. Amen. The Word of God came into you and saved you. It's going to stay there. If the Word of God means anything, it's true. If, it, if the language of the Bible means anything, this is true. The word that came into you and rebirthed you stays in you. Amen. It stays in you. It stays in you. That's why you can't sin and enjoy it anymore. <laughs> Anybody here remember what you, how you sinned out there before you got saved? It was good, man. I enjoyed that. And after I got saved and I tried to do the same thing, it was no fun at all. I was miserable. You know why? Because it ran contrary to my nature now. My nature's new. You've got to get this straight. You've got to know the difference between spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit has been ever, forever redeemed, but your soul is in your hands. Everybody hearing what I'm saying here? The Word works to make us clean and new. Now, our, uh, our uh, mind needs to be purified, but not your spirit. Your spirit needed to be reborn. Your spirit was not just dirty. It was dead. Had to be re reborn. So when he talks about purification, it's always talking about the soul. 
the mind. You see, I had friends who came to me one day and said, John, they're talking about you up in town. I was, I was real popular in my little town, head of everything. It seemed like I was the head of everything, president of this, president of that, captain of the basketball team, you know, just everything. Because it's a little bit of town, about, about, about five boys, you know, just kept picking me. <laughs> I was president of my junior class, president of my senior class, president of the FFA. I was in meetings all the time. So they talked about me when I got saved. A friend of mine came out and he said, you know, they're talking about you up in town. I said, what are they saying? He said, I heard one guy say, oh, Holler's brainwashed. I said, you go back and tell them they're right. My brain was filthy. It needed washing. Amen. I'm still in that process, keeping it clean, still washing my brain. Anybody need your brain washed today? Amen. That's why you came to church, isn't it? Amen. George Whitfield landed in Savannah, Georgia in 1738. They mark his landing as the beginning of the greatest revival this nation has ever seen. They call it the Great Awakening. The reason it's the greatest, nation, the greatest revival this nation has ever seen is because it made this nation, it created this nation. Ben Franklin said after, after a few years with George Whitfield going up and down the eastern seaboard preaching, Ben Franklin, anybody know who Ben Franklin was? He knew. He was basically the chronicler of the revolution. And he said, George Whitfield has so embedded into the hearts and the minds of the colonists the desire for freedom so as to make a revolution inevitable. What Ben Franklin believed was George Whitfield created the revolution. that created this country. The preaching of one man. One 22-year-old kid that got excommunicated from the Church of England for the heresy of extemporaneous prayer. That means he prayed like we pray. He refused to write it down and submit it to the Archbishop of Canterbury. He refused to do that. He was just going to pray from his heart. And he did. Got kicked out of the church for it. Aren't we happy here in America for that? Praise God. He came here preaching the gospel of Christ like a madman. They said he preached so hard and so loud. He had a big booming voice. They heard him four and five miles away sometimes. He preached the gospel. He preached. He preached. He preached. And he had one message. You can have freedom in Christ. He preached that message so strong, freedom in Christ, that they didn't make a separation between freedom in Christ and freedom from the king, freedom from tyranny. He's preached it so strong. He never preached a political sermon once. He preached about freedom from sin, the gospel of Christ. But the rallying cry 10 years before the signing of the Declaration, which came in when? When did they sign the Declaration of Independence? What day? July 4th, amen, 1776. The 10 years prior to that, signing of the Declaration, they had a rally cry. You know what a rally cry is? They had one down in Texas. Remember what the one in Texas was? All you Tex How many Texans in the room? What was the rally cry of Texas? Remember the Alamo. They had one that they refused to put in the, in the modern day history books about America. And it was this. No king, 
but King Jesus. No king, but King Jesus. After many usurpations, Jefferson wrote in the Declaration, after many usurpations by the king, they finally decided they were going to go free. Go free. On the basis of this one thought, God made us free. And George Whitfield told us he, would, he did. The Word of God can make you change. It will make you change, not just for change's sake, but for reformation's sake. When the Word of God got in me and Miss Anne, it changed everything we, we did. Everything about our lives changed. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for the Word of God today. Incorruptible seed that changes things for the better. Amen. Can I get a good amen? amen. Mile post 61. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Ah, how did lust get into, how did, how did corruption get into the world? Through lust. I'm not just talking about sexual lust. Here's talking about the inordinate affection and the desires that are out of control. They can be lust of anything. They can be the, the coveting your neighbor's Corvette, which I have done. <laughs> Sorry to say. Or his motorcycle or anything that, anything that belongs to your neighbor. Coveting anything that belongs to your neighbor. See, Adam and Eve had the promise of the whole garden. They had the promise of the entire garden. It was all theirs. But when they stopped focusing on the promises, the divine nature left them. They lost the, the, the divine nature through the lust of having what they shouldn't have. Right. You hear me? I want you to get focused on the promises of God. Amen. The promises of God are yours, but He never promised you your neighbor's wife. Right. Never promised you your neighbor's husband. Right. He never promised you, it's quiet in here, did, did I say something wrong? <laughs> it always gets quiet when I talk about that kind of thing. The promises are your inheritance. Turn to John 15, 7 and 8. John 15, 7 and 8. Hear what Jesus says. John 15, 7 and 8. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. That's a great promise. Listen to this. Herein, wherein, in that, and that you get your prayers answered and the promises become yours. Herein, in that, in that thing right there, what I just said, is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. The Father gets glorified when you get your prayers answered. How many of you have ever, ever had a prayer answered? Let me see your hands. Did you say glory to God? Yes. Did you say thank you, Jesus? Yes. You glorified God. That's all he's looking for is you to glorify Him by getting your prayers answered. Amen. 
I learned, I learned a valuable lesson, though, years ago. I learned a valuable lesson. Who needs some money? <laughs> Come down here, lady. Come down here. Come down here. I asked. She said, who doesn't? Stand here with me for a minute, okay? Help, I'll stand with you anytime. Help me preach. Oh, no. <laughs> I promise I'm going to give you this $20. $20 bill is going to be yours. Probably buy you lunch today. If you eat at McDonald's. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you. I promise you on one condition. One condition. Ready for the condition? That you say thank you before I give it to you. Thank you. Uh, I'm not going to give it to her. <laughs> I, I'm not, is it okay if I don't give it to her now? No. Why am I obligated now? Oh, I see. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> I see, but do you, do, you, do you really believe that about God, that he's obligated when you ask him and thank him in advance? Yes. Of course, I'm obligated to you. Make my conditions with thankfulness. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you again. You're welcome. When you ask God and thank Him in advance, He becomes obligated to give it to you. And everybody knows that. Everyone knows that. You knew it. You knew I was obligated to give her that money because I said, thank, give, give me thanks first. God says, thank me, thank me, thank me, thank me, thank me. Be thank thankful. Nobody's being thankful yet. I'm going to say to you, thankful. Thank me. Thank him. Give thanks to Jesus for his salvation, for his healing power, for his goodness. Give thanks to God for everything he's given you all the time. I, I believe that's why God is good to me. As good to me as he is. Because Miss Anna and I learned this years ago. Just be thankful. Our prayers are full of thanksgiving. We're always thanking God for what we have. We rarely have to pray for what we want. Rarely have to pray for what we want. We just keep thanking him for what we have. What we believe, what we're believing for. And it comes to us because of thanks, thankfulness. If you'll be thankful, God will be attracted to you with more gifts. All right. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Let's move on to Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6. We're still talking about the same thing here. Hebrews 8, 6 says, But now... Hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. What was the old covenant established upon? Mandates and laws. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. This new covenant is not based upon that. It's based upon what? It's established upon what? Promises. The new covenant is based upon promises. Promises. You live in the promised land. You crossed over, over Jordan. You got the first baptism out of, the, out of the land of Egypt. 
Your next baptism is Holy Spirit baptism into the land of promise. Amen. You came into the land of promise. There's no kingdom there yet. The kingdom is still future. In our hearts we see it. We have it. But it's still yet to come. The kingdom. Where are we? We're not in the kingdom yet. We're in the land of promise. This new covenant is a covenant land of promise. Based upon promises. Not based upon laws. Based upon promises. Glory to God. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry. But how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant. Better, everybody say better covenant. Better covenant. Which was established upon better promises. Listen to this. The gospel itself contains a promise. Here's the promise of the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's a promise from God. The price that Jesus paid was applied to your account. I promise you, he says. I took care of your sins. There's just one caveat to the whole thing. That you believe that. You believe it. The moment you believe it, God is promising. He placed your sins over on Jesus. And the only thing that's necessary for you to do is believe it from your heart. Keeping the rules will never change your nature. Hearing and believing the, believing the promises will change your nature. He said that by these promises you might be partakers of the divine nature. Glory to God. The divine nature is yours because you hear and believe the promises of God. He makes all kinds of promises, wonderful promises. One of my favorite ones is in Hebrews 13. Can you turn there right quick? Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let's turn there. I don't have it in my notes, but it just came to me. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Why? Why would you, why would you care about covetousness when you have what he says? And be content with such things as you have. What things do you have? You have all the promises of God. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God promised he would never leave you nor forsake you. God will always be with you. He will always be with you. That's the greatest promise he ever made, probably. And listen to this. So that we may boldly say, he has said, so that we may boldly say, if God said it, you can say it boldly. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Glory to God. If he said it, I can say it boldly. Amen. You have a right as a child of God to say it boldly. I want a little exercise with you today. I want you to say a promise of God for yourself right now. I want you to focus for just a moment on what you really want God to do. And think about a promise he made. Promise he made. And say it boldly. Okay? I'm going to say, by his stripes he promised me, I am healed. Glory to God. You try it. You try it. Boldly. By his stripes. I am healed. Glory to God. You may have other things that you need to say, but today, grab hold of those and say them boldly because you have a right. Let's move on down the road a little bit to milepost 62. 1 John 5, 4. 
I love First John 5, 4. It's one of my favorite, favorite verses in the entire New Testament. First John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. That word victory there is a Greek word, Nike. It's only in the New Testament one time right here. N-I-K-E. Back to tennis shoe. It's not pronounced Nike. It's pronounced Nike. You want to make a friend of the word by saying it? Nike. It means victory, success, dominance, absolute victory over one's enemies. This is the dominance. This is the success. This is the victory that overcomes the world. What? Our faith. Faith is the greatest force in the world. It overcomes every obstacle that's in front of you. Faith is God's way of saying, I'm still in this with you. I'm in this with you. I'm in this for you. You overcome the world when you don't participate. See, one of the best things you can do is get, to, get your heart changed by faith. And then the world is not so attractive to you. The law of supply and demand goes down. What the world is supplying loses its grip on society as more, more, more people are saved and there's less supply, less demand for what's in supply out there in the world. Are you hearing me? But only a changed heart can do that. Faith changes the human heart like nothing else. There's a supply and a demand. The supply is driven by the demand. So when faith changes our hearts, we no longer care what they think. Oh, you just brainwashed. Yeah, I am. You're right. Oh, you're just one of those holier than thou's. No, I'm not holier than thou. I'm holier than everybody. Because <laughs> I'm as holy as God is. When you're made holy from God, you're as holy as He is on the inside. Be holy as I am holy. That's a promise. You shall be holy as I am holy. God said He's made you as holy as Him. You're not holier than the next guy. You're holy, holier than everybody. Amen. How many of you were lost one time? Let me see your hands. All right, let me put your hands down. How many of you are now saved? i put your hands down. How many of you are better, not better off, but better than you were? All right, that means you're better than every sinner out there. They said, Christians think you're better than we. We don't think it, we are. We know we are. We, we know we are. That's not pride talking, that's the ultimate humility because God made us perfect on the inside. He'll make you perfect on the inside. I don't care how sinful you've been, He'll change everything from the inside out for you. Why? Because He's a God that loves you. Just bow our heads for a moment. Father, I thank You for this day. Thank You for these friends and family who have come here today. And I ask in Jesus' wonderful name, that you make us all we should be.
for everyone that's here that under the sound of my voice. They hear the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he rose again from the, the third day according to the Bible. I pray, Father, that you'll help their hearts receive this.